Hey everybody, welcome to That Will Never Work. Listen, all of us have dreams, but sometimes you require someone else's help to make your dream come true. And that is exactly the situation facing this week's guest, Ben Chow, who is the founder of We Drive-Ins. His idea, repurpose urban parking lots into drive-in movie theaters. Just picture this, crystal clear sound in your car, this perfect projection screens, food, popcorn, the whole experience. Unfortunately though, Ben needs some help from the studios. Specifically, he needs their permission to use the technology that'll allow him to display movies in the daylight. And he is hitting a dead end. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Joining me today is actually someone I've relied on for a long time, Mitch Lowe. Thank you, Mark. And Mitch Lowe, just as a quick background on him, um, Mitch was there from the very beginning at Netflix. I mean, he was the person who actually knew something about video rental when Reed Hastings and I, two complete noobs, uh, decided we were going to get into that business and decided, well, it might be a good idea to find someone who's done this before. So Mitch was there from the very beginning at Netflix, but went on to actually do some even more impressive things. He was uh, one of the co-founders who were extremely early in forming Redbox, uh, went on to then become the CEO of MoviePass. So this is a guy who knows uh, movies. So Ben, why don't we kick things off? Why don't you quickly give us a, a quick elevator pitch? Maybe what was the problem you're trying to solve? How did you solve it? And maybe what we can help you with? Sure. So the problem we're trying to solve is to repurpose and reintroduce the Great American Driving Experience, which has passed by because of real estate being becoming too expensive and scarce and technology bypassing drive-ins. We've got the technology aspect for car audio, which is now rivals home audio. We now can repurpose uh, parking lots. The big challenge is getting studios to agree to digital screens, which allow for at least two movies being shown a night, whereas daylight savings completely disrupts the ability to show two movies a night. So in other words, in a nutshell, the, the technology that they're requiring you to use doesn't work in the daytime, but there is technology which would be really powerful to watch any time of day, but they won't let you use it? Correct. Okay. So uh, now, um, one of the things that used to happen with Mitch and I way back when is I'd come in uh, with this incredible idea, and he would always almost inevitably say, no, that's been done before. <laughs> so uh, what do you think, Mitch? Have you heard this idea before? Is this something you're, has this been something that people have been trying forever is to resurrect the drive-in? Well, you know, this is the first I've heard of, of this uh, kind of strategy to re resurrect uh, what is a, a really, really wonderful experience. Uh, you know, I remember back in Nebraska, uh, my aunt uh, uh, taking us in the El Camino to a drive-in. 
and all of us kids hiding under a tarp in the back of the El Camino. So we didn't have to pay uh, uh, to get in. I think it was maybe 25 cents uh, that we couldn't uh, afford. So I, I have not heard of this. You know, this is um, another one of these great uh, businesses that's focused on, on uh, underutilized assets. You know, just like Uber, uh, you know, uh, focused on underutilized cars and people's time. You know, this is taking the all these huge parking lots. And and in fact, um, I remember talking to the folks who run the LAX uh, parking lot and they were telling me since Uber, like, you know, there's empty spaces everywhere. And I think we all remember pre those days, you, you know, you'd have to drive around 20 minutes trying to find a decent parking space. So I, I think you've, you've really hit on, a, you know, a great way to use these assets. <clears throat> and it's a, you know, it's a great experience. I would say, though, that, you know, dealing with the nighttime, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know if, if you've gone back this far, but back when daylight savings time was being proposed, you had the movie theaters and the churches on opposite sides of this uh, proposal. Uh, obviously, movie theaters wanted it to be dark earlier, just like you want it to be dark earlier, in order to get, because people just don't think of movies early. Whereas churches wanted it to be light earlier, so you'd go to an early Sunday mass. And so, you know, this <laughs> you, you, ha you have these, kind of age-old struggles and why it's implanted in our mind to think about movies when it's dark is a, you know, real fascinating uh, subject. Um, so but I think I, you have I, bigger problems than, than that. I got to, before we get into the bigger problems, um, I got two things here. Number one is, I mean, you remember hiding under the tarp in the back of the El Camino. Uh, I imagine that both you and I, Mitch, remember hiding under a blanket with our girlfriends at the time um, <laughs> in the front seat of the uh, of whatever vehicle we happened to be driving at the time, which is, of course, the classic teenage drive-in experience. Exactly. But I won't lead you down that path right now. Um, the question I have for you, Ben, just to give us some more context here, is uh, where does this sit on the continuum between I have a dream and between, oh, no, we're already in the process of rolling this out in 17 cities. Tell me where you, how far you've gotten. Uh, we are fully operational in Santa Monica with major licenses with Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, A24, and a host of other independent studios. Uh, we were the only West Side drive-in west of downtown showing brand new releases. Um, we quickly hit the problem of not being able to show movies early enough due to the early suns, the late uh, sunsets when you're four blocks from the ocean. Not to mention our lot was actually too small. Mm -hmm. So y you think one of the barriers you're facing here, uh, and I think which is the heart of your question, is that mm -hmm. there's restrictions on what technology the theaters will allow you to project on? And because of that, it limits your ability to make this economically viable. And Correct. Maybe we either, we either one of the two of you can fill me in on why would a studio care whether you project it uh, on film versus digital or some, uh, some other technology that might actually work in broad daylight? 
What this is, is a legacy of a archaic windowing system. And, and, and there are still, while, while many of these barriers have, have uh, evaporated, especially the pandemic, you know, for studios to figure out how to, to stream simultaneously to theatrical release. And of course, there's people trying to pull that back now. Uh, in the same way, these archaic rules as far as licensing the digital copy versus the, the you know, the, the film uh, copy, uh, you know, still persist. So it really comes down to the the interpretation of of the law is that a, a personal use or at home is fine for digital copies when you are not charging you've got you know it's a private uh type of uh, performance but if you show it to many people and or you charge for it then uh you have to you, you cannot use a digital copy unless you go through the theatrical licensing uh process and that is a big deal and, and a very challenging, as Ben, I think, will tell us. Ben, are you projecting in Santa Monica using digital, or are you using it at night using standard projection equipment? We are using a top-of-line Christie digital projector using a hard drive, right? Much like the standard movie theaters at IMAX or uh, AMC. We're using exact mm -hmm. same equipment on a 40-foot screen. But what I, I would imagine is you're not able to get kind of the, the content you're looking for uh, in that same uh, uh, way. Is that, is that right? Or, or are you – maybe I don't understand then the challenge. So we're not permitted to put up a digital LED screen in, in, instead of a projector. So a projector, a wall, it like like your home TV. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, that that that's one of the problems. I see. Because if you could basically, and I think I read in some of the early material I saw that you could basically bring in a, like actually anyone who's been to a corporate event and you've seen they can build these huge screens out of very very bright LED, which would allow you to basically do daytime programming. Okay. I think I get the idea. So you have this classic problem of how do I convince uh, this legacy, uh, these, um, what's the word? I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it. Uh, these organizations desperately trying to hold on to an old-fashioned way of business when you can see a more progressive way that ironically would actually help them. Uh, and it's just so funny because, of course, um, Mitch and I have been fighting these battles uh, collectively and separately for uh, 25 years here or longer in some cases. So I'll, I'm going to give you the, the, the superficial answer and then uh, uh, maybe Mitch can, can uh, give you some insight from his years of experience dealing with studio executives. I mean, the quick one, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, is making these kind of deals work. It has to appeal to self-interest. Um, it's very, very hard when you're trying to say, but there's societal benefit. There is a, we're going to employ people. We're going to give other opportunities. All well and good. And we'll pass that over to our publicity department once the deal's done. But that's really, really hard to get people to budge. 
And pretty much the only thing that I've found that gets people to budge is money. And I don't mean paying people money, which is basically tapping into anything you can do, which you can go in and say, hey, this is going to make you more money. I mean, I certainly in all the years I have of selling various types of products, there's two approaches. The one that doesn't work is here's something that'll save you money. It works a little bit. But wow, it's like a hundred times more powerful when you can go in and say, here's something that'll make you more money. Uh, because believe me, the people who had a company who are empowered to help make the company more money usually uh, are some of the most powerful people in the company. In fact, many times they get paid even more than the CEO. The people who are empowered to save people money, well, they're usually buried down in the basement of the sub-basement, uh, six people to a cubicle. Uh, it's just a very different power dynamic. So part of it is understanding what you're doing and being able to reframe it in a way that is very clear that you are all about helping them expand their audience um, or some, tapping into some other key initiative that, um, that these guys have. But again, that's a pattern recognition answer. I'm curious, Mitch, do you have any, uh, any more deeper insights from understanding what it might take to get a studio exec to, uh, to budge on, uh, on something so fundamental? as the digital rights? Yeah, well, I have, have a bunch of uh, thoughts and ideas. Uh, you are very fortunate to be doing this at this time uh, because the more than almost any other time, uh, the studios and especially the departments that license uh, public uh, viewing are hungry for uh, different ways to make money. And they're also realizing that things have already gotten so disrupted, they're no longer afraid to, to make some decisions like this. I think the, this is one industry where, because normally I would agree with Mark it, that finding the economic benefit is the right way to go. I'll tell you, in so many uh, experiences, I found studios do not act logically. Uh, uh, in that way. They're always thinking, you know, about the, and, and in this experience, in this part of the business, they're, they're thinking about the stars, the, you know, the big powerful stars of the film and what they're going to think about seeing their content, you know, on the screen. I mean, believe it or not, you know, they would worry about Tom Cruise perception of this and does it demean or enhance his kind of brand and reputation and and of course it goes way beyond tom cruise it's it so a lot of it comes down to the content that you're going to show and and from what i understand you're in some ways you're kind of creating that saturday at the movies where you'd have you know, a cartoon and you'd have a movie and you might have a newsreel or something, you know, which is, which is really, you know, this a is what... piano maybe or a, a pianist <laughs> in the corner playing organ music or something. Yeah. <laughs> Even that, but the, this is, I think you've really hit upon what consumers are looking for. Consumers are looking for a better a kind of broader experience uh, in going out and seeing, you know, people love to get out. I, you know, just, um, you know, people jumping, being afraid of a monster they see on the screen, you know, when you're by yourself is kind of stupid. 
but when you have people all around you, it really is a, a, a fun experience. And, you know, same with laughter and so on. So you're, if that's the idea, then building this whole idea around content means you probably aren't going to have as many problems as if you were going to show the big Marvel titles, because those are going to be the ones that are super protected, super, you're going to have, you know, the AMCs of the world um, looking at you as competition and trying to, you know, stop you. Uh, but if you create this kind of um, menu of, of here is what your night is going to be uh, like, then I think it's a matter of going to the right department, you know, within the studios. Uh, and uh, they are all, I think they're all, all now looking for things like this. So I think it's just, and what has been your, like when you present, to the people you're licensing the content from that you want to display on a digital screen, what did they say uh, to you? I'm curious. It's typically greeted with non-response or it's a whole different group. You're challenging a legacy mindset where it's not my responsibility, even though they do it for private screenings, right? Uh, one, one thing to bear in mind is, you know, we pack weekends for kids' movies, and you can add the whole weekend matinees, as you say, beginning at 11 a.m. And for example, you know, the Mulans of the world, the Turning Reds of the world, the Encantos of the world, it will pack the weekends because kids and families, right? Mm -hmm. The biggest challenge is having the rights to using a digital screen and immediately or near immediately we could bring it to a million square foot office in Santa Monica that's in the process of renovating their parking lot for 4,000 parking spots and create a virtual multiplex. At that point, we could have multiple screens. We could have the entire experience. We would have advertising and corporate sponsors. So you could actually enhance the experience for people where they don't have to pay three times the normal price for popcorn and cold pizza and get the American experience of the drive-in. Sounds really exciting. And, and Mitch, it sounds like you had some possible uh, daylight here, if I can use that expression. Yeah, yeah. Th thanks for that uh, uh, vision of the future, Ben. It, it sounds really wonderful. I have a couple pieces of advice. Uh, one of them uh, you may not want to hear, and the other I think uh, will be really helpful. Uh, the first, I always like to give the bad medicine first. So I think as you describe this big vision, this multiplex, uh, creating all different, you know, different movies at different times, I wouldn't think about it from that perspective. I would focus on an event, on creating one event, you know, during one day or one period and really make that work, you know, cr create something that will attract enough people to make it uh, profitable and fill your, uh, your kind of makeshift stadium. And, 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 you know, put off this idea of multiplex and because then now you're getting into complicated programming and it just, I think you're opening yourself up to a lot of potential uh, problems that aren't, kind of key to the business uh, future. The second, and I think this will address your uh, digital screen problems. 
I think you need to find people who uh, who are insiders who have worked in those departments at the movie theaters to go in with you to help explain how do you talk to them? What's the language? Uh, going back to what Mark said, what are the things that are, what can you propose that's meaningful to them and will turn them around and make them, uh, because I don't think your problem is insurmountable. I think you absolutely can get the rights to use a digital screen. You just need the right people to go in with you uh, into those meetings. Mitch, what are you doing after this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the right people. I, I'm not the right people. I can. I can definitely help point you to the right people. I know who the right people are. But um, and and believe it or not, well, it, it's obvious there are a lot of retired uh, movie executives who are sitting around in you know, in uh, uh, Santa Monica, just looking for cool ideas uh, to help people with. So there's plenty of, you know, un, uh, you know, it, it's kind of in the same way you're taking underutilized parking place. There's a lot of underutilized former theatrical executives out, out there. <laughs> <laughs> and just like you, they don't usually come out in the daytime. So it's <laughs> That's uh, true. This is the, the perfect, the vampires. So the, um, Listen, a couple of really interesting things, Ben, have come up here, and, and they apply way beyond just someone who is trying to do something focused on the entertainment field. And one is what Mitch touched on at the end. I do have to admit that probably the same as Mitch, as you were describing this vision for the multiplex and painting this, imagine if you will, all I could think was, oh my God, this guy's taking his eye off the ball. Because you are still at a point, despite the success you're having in Santa Monica, where you still need to focus. You still need to overcome the single big barrier which is holding you back. And the more you dream about how incredible it will be when you can do six screens, is time you're not focused on getting one of them. Um, and wow, you've got to nail that. But that's the same problem that entrepreneurs everywhere do. I used to sometimes call it, uh, selling the T-shirts that someone's pitching me, and then all of a sudden they're going and imagine when this is a national brand, how much money we can make with the merch, and that's when I go, okay, we lost them. They're uh, they're off in space. So get out of space and stay focused. But the other great piece of advice I think here is you've got to find the right people. You know, I alluded at the beginning of the conversation about how important it was to figure out what the incentive is for the organization you're trying to pitch, but you have got to find the right people. You've got to be speaking to the right department. Um, in many ways, way back in the Netflix days, uh, Mitch was kind of like a jungle guide for me, which was we knew we had to form relationships with some of these big studios. Um, and Mitch was this person who would let us through, uh, navigate those really complicated worlds and figure out who are the right people to make these things happen. And I think that's something you're going to have to figure out. But it's also something anybody who's trying to get a larger uh, established partner to pay attention to them and ideally help uh, um, unlock their business has to do. Mitch, any last uh, bits of advice for Ben before we, uh, we send him uh, back to the parking lot? You know, I think uh, you've got a great idea, Ben. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe Mark knows this. 
I think Mark uh, uh, agrees with this, that almost any idea is doable. It's all about the execution and how you focus on this upward to the right progression. You know, keep everybody, you know, motivated, your employees, your investors, your partners, the studios, and, you know, slow but sure progress up to the right is uh, uh, one of the critical uh, components of that execution. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Ben, listen, good luck. Um, I'm really kind of eager to check in with you again sometime, either later this year or early next, and see how much progress you've had in uh, bringing those uh, great uh, entertainment uh, spectacles uh, to a parking lot near me. Great. Thank you both, Mitch and Mark. Our pleasure. Good luck. Thanks, Ben, for that. That was fantastic. And especially a big thanks to you, Mitch, for, uh, for coming on. But listen, if anyone out there really wants to hear more of Mitch's stories, and he has a million of them, uh, both from his days at Netflix Days at Redbox, Days at Movie Pass. He has a book coming out in September called Watch and Learn, How I Turned Hollywood Upside Down with Netflix, Redbox, and Movie Pass. I've read it. It's awesome. And there's a little bonus. I actually uh, wrote the, uh, the foreword. Really, can't miss. This guy's led an amazing life. It's a fantastic book. So check it out. And while you're at it, maybe pick up uh, the paperback version of uh, That Will Never Work. That's out, too. And did you know there's also a video version of what you heard today? Check it out at YouTube forward slash Mark Randolph. There's new episodes every Tuesday. Want to be a guest on the show? Head to markrandolph.com forward slash guest. And while you're there, add your name to my mailing list. And finally, if you'd like to get my entrepreneurial tips in short form, follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. group.